3: Hello and welcome to the Ruler Podcast. It's nearly time for the Ruler Classic event from the first to the third of November in London. And in addition to all the star guests, including this year Eddie Merckx, Sir Bradley Wiggins, Lizzie Deignan, Maurizio Fondriest, and many more, you'll be able to browse the very latest and finest cycle clothing, equipment, and of course bikes. So in this tech-centred edition of the podcast, we'll be getting a view of the current state of bike tech and the industry from one of the UK's leading retailers, and taking a look at a brand which makes high-end road bikes that pack down into a suitcase. Sigma Sport have been a significant player in the UK cycling scene for coming up to three decades, from humble beginnings importing bike parts from Belgium in the back of a Vauxhall Nova to their current superstore beside the Thames at Hampton Wick. Well, one of the founders, Ian Whittingham, has an optimistic take on technology and the market.
1: Yeah, so I think as always, there's, there's some uh, some great products coming out into the market. It's it's it got gone are the days of the, uh, the, the, the 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 yearly release dates from the big brands. They're now rolling stuff into the market the whole time. So the last last few months, we've seen some beautiful new bikes coming out from Specialized, Cannondale, Cervelo. All all looking at the show, um, showing their new platforms, like the new Venge platform. So Aero is definitely. Uh, where it's at. Um, so you've got the new Venge platform from Specialized, and you've got the new S series from Cervelo, along with the new Cannondale Aero bike. So some really lovely stuff to 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 while you there.
3: Electric shifters are now pretty much uh, commonplace. Uh, hydraulic discs. What, what what's next? Do you think? Where, what next area of technology is there?
1: Well, I think discs are still still we're still making that transition to discs. I think I think we you know we'd all acknowledge that we're probably only a couple of years away from from no more high end caliper. In fact, probably no more caliper road bikes, really, apart from low-end stuff. So I think we're still making that transition. Absolutely, uh, wireless gears are here now. That's a standard. We're all expecting Shimano will at some point go, go wireless on that front. Um, over and above that, it's, it, I think it's difficult to say, and I think everyone is so, so, so right now, so focused on this disc-bait transition. That's, that's the big thing that's changing the market, uh, and not only on road bikes, also time trial bikes, the brand-new specialised Shiv that came out at Kona this week. Again, sporting, sporting disc brakes for the first time.
3: And what about uh, tubeless technology? Is that catching on?
1: So, yeah, again, tubeless. It's been a long, long time coming. Honestly, we've been talking about tubeless for probably, feels like 10 years. Uh, and finally, it's happening. Uh, so, again, the last kind of 18 months or so, we've seen the bigger manufacturers coming out with their tubeless tyres, room technology improving massively. Uh, so, yeah, tubeless, again, is very much something that's that's coming through really strongly now.
3: On the way here, I looked in the window of your lovely showroom and it said, you know, the, the Venge, uh, starting at 6250 quid," <laughs> which a few years ago would have been unthinkable.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can spend a lot of money on a bike these days, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, we've seen the average price of our bikes pushing on. We've sold some bikes at £20,000 that's that's a, that's the crazy end of the market it's not it's not where our regular sales are at six to ten thousand pounds is 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 the seems to be the sweet spot to get a bunch of the latest technology that's been ridden by the Tour de France guys there's a really, really healthy market there still in fact I think I think that you know the, the part of the market that's 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 more challenging is um, I think the some of the entry level and newcomer stuff but for the guys who have got the caught the cycling bug in the last ten years uh yeah that 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 more expensive bike is is something that's being bought with with increasing regularity.
3: We are sort of probably 10 or so years, aren't we, into the real significant bike boom in the UK? Um, And every year or so, people think, well, it's probably ending now or it's on its way down. Is there any sign of that? Is the market still looking all right?
1: So so I'd agree with 10 years. Um, We we definitely saw this massive spike start to happen from 2008, 2009. Um, But there's also no doubt that, that, that that influx of new, of new riders has, has died down now. Uh, the great thing is that the, all of the new people who've come into the sport in the last ten years are—we don't feel they're going away. Uh, so that so that the market is much bigger than it was before. But the, the 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 influx of newcomers isn't isn't there. As a result, we're starting to see a, a correction in, in in the trade and starting to see the number of retailers, um, c- c- you know, slow down and and some of the some of the guys who kind of jumped on the bandwagon, if you like. Um, kind of closing closing the doors as it isn't quite as economically viable to run a bike shop as it maybe was five years ago. Some
3: people think that you know gravel bikes or possibly even e-bikes may be the kind of saviour of a lot of uh, of a lot of brands. Is there much movement in that area? There is.
1: I think um, we, we're definitely seeing the the gravel piece coming through. Um, it's still relatively small, but it's a it's a whole new sector that wasn't there a couple of years ago. Uh, and certainly as a, as a business, we've really embraced it. We've been hosting evening gravel rides from the store um, and having a lot of fun finding the, the, these new paths and bridleways right on our doorstep we didn't know existed. Um, recently run a, a, a ride from the shop down to Brighton with about five miles on the road, I think. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's great fun, but but relatively small. Um, e-bikes, on the other hand, absolutely, they are coming through at a, a crazy rate now. When, when I say e-bikes, I mean, you know, your regular kind of commuter e-bike is where the where that that's that growth is going to come from and i think no doubt about it lots of shops independent bike dealers ibds are starting to move their their focus onto e-bikes and i think it, that will be uh, a savior of, of, of a part of the industry as as that road bike boom dies down
3: sigma has been involved in racing particularly the domestic racing scene for years um it seems a bit of a challenging time at the moment we've seen a couple of uh, the big teams you know not uh, here next year. Um, it's been a bit of a challenge all round, is not
1: it? It is. Um, so we had a, we had a, a pro team. We, we've always been involved with sponsorships since day one, and we had a full-blown pro team uh, right up until 2013. Uh, but at that point, costs were starting to escalate to run the teams, and the scene wasn't really moving on at the rate it needed to to justify that investment, certainly from our point of view. Uh, and, and if you look now at 2018, you've got an amazing... Tour of Britain. You've got the Tour of Yorkshire, and you've got the the Tour Series. Outside of that, there, there's there's really nothing of note on the on the racing scene, uh, and it's so difficult for for organisers to put on events because there's very little in the, in the way of support and backup from uh, British Cycling. So as a, a as a sponsor, it's really difficult to look at the scene and, and understand how you get value out of your investment for really a sport that is. What, 20, 20 to 25 days of racing in a year so i guess it, it's not surprising to see um you know jlt come out this year one pro it, it's a difficult place to to make a, a commercial return on your investment
3: it does seem extraordinary doesn't it because we've got you know three grand tour winners we've got the world championships coming to yorkshire uh, pretty soon and yet the actual grassroots racing in this country is is is, is struggling really hard
1: Really, yeah, really struggling. Obviously, your local races—you know, around here we have the Surrey uh, League—sold out weeks, months in advance. So there's a really, really strong uh, level for your local kind of—you know—riders who are riding at third, third, fourth, second cap level. But there's there's this horrible gap after that, and I think it it does come down to the logistics and the cost of putting events on. And from where I'm sitting, unless the the national body gets behind a, a proper series of of uh, of races in this country that are put on not not in the middle of nowhere around a reservoir where you've literally got 10 spectators and a few sheep knocking around but actually with proper town center finishes and promotion and closed roads it's really difficult to see how that how that's going to change anytime soon
3: So, it's all very well having your brilliant high-tech bike, but how do you get it to your mountain destination or your exotic location to actually ride it? Well, one answer is a foldable bike, not a Brompton, but a full-size bike which dismantles into a suitcase. Uh, One brand devoted to such bikes is Explorateur. I'm in the impressive surroundings of Bespoke in London's German Street uh, with two of the people involved in the project, uh, Max Broby and Kadir Gere. What's the thinking behind the project?
2: It started from necessity, really, more than anything. We were traveling a lot, Kadir and I, with the traditional big bike bag uh, or bike case, whichever, arriving to destinations and not being able to get one, let alone two, into a rental car and and just the sort of typical hassle of that whole journey through an airport or, or Eurostar, or whatever it might be. And we came across this Ritchie system, which is very, very simple, and if you don't Know it, you will even struggle to see that this bike can come apart, which was what was very appealing to us because we we had seen the other options such as s and s couplers and other things that are lovely made, but it's very obvious that this is a bike that comes apart and looks a little bit aesthetically. Yeah, it went against our it went against
4: our kind of aesthetics of having and something that was aesthetics are important for us. very important. <laughs> you know, we like we like a bike that looks nice, exactly. basically. And this way, we were able to sort of create. Well, originally, think we thought maybe the Ritchie bike was an interesting thing, and then we thought, well, hang on, there's there's more to it. We can create something that we would love to ride, in a sense, and put our own aesthetic on it. So that was the sort of basic beginning of it, really. I come from a collecting background. I like vintage bikes. I like, you know, beautiful things. Max comes from a design side of things. an amazing architect and designer so sort of the combination of our two sort of worlds colliding as it were created a kind of marriage of, of wonderful things and we've been doing this since when was it 2000 It's a
2: good eight eight or nine years yeah, now yeah. since we started and actually we started with with stuff that was really challenging because we we kind of got the principle of of what this could do and immediately saw the benefits of being able to travel with ease as such Um, But we could also see how we could combine bike types eight, ten years ago. If you like, there was sort of traditional road bike and there was a cyclocross bike. And then when you are traveling, you would like to be very flexible and be able to ride whatever meets you. So so we started eight, nine years ago, putting disc brakes on building full steel bikes because we didn't have carbon fiber um, forks at that time for disc brakes. So we'd make the steel uh, f- uh, forks with disc brakes and use mountain bike avid mechanical brakes and try and faff with the modulation to make it work and so on. And and, and, and that was kind of a lot in the beginning, and now everything is catching up, luckily, and we can we can live out further what we actually wanted to do. Away in fact, the cars. technology is kind of caught up with us in yeah. a
4: way. So wireless gearing, you know, disc brakes, which are really easy to kind of remove from the frames. We, we sometimes have to remove things
2: when we're travelling. So it's just made life a lot easier. It's fantastic. We're lucky that all these bits are making this even more sensible. So what's the typical process, then, if someone wants an explorer? Bike. The very typical scenario is that some, a lady or man comes already quite immersed in the world of cycling and has one or maybe two uh, wonderful bikes and they, they, they typically have a lot of knowledge of what's out there, what they've tried and what they would like their perfect travel machine to be, so we typically uh, take their existing bike and make a uh, geometry copy of that, if you like. So they sit exactly in the same position on both bikes, whether they're traveling or at home. Luckily, we see more and more of them start riding the travel machine all the time, which is a, a good sign that we're hopefully doing something, some, something right. But then, of course, there is the custom element of what we do that allows us to, to look at what they're doing now on their current bike and refine it in the frame so you whatever get rid of spaces you make sure that everything is proportionally really suiting their body and their uh, geometry which which is a wonderful thing you you can really we we sometimes call ourselves the plastic surgeons (laughs) of bicycling (laughs) so you can get an ugly bloody bike looking quite aesthetically pleasing that makes us very happy yeah yeah. and also
4: people can you know they can have whatever they want on the bike. They can paint it as they want. They can sort of let their imagination run wild. I mean, one of our clients has tattoos by a really eminent, like, top-of-the-line tattoo artist, and they're incredible. So she said, I want my bike to be done by my tattoo artist. So we sent her a primed white bike, the tattoo artist, and she painted it all by hand. It looks like 18th-century sort of Japanese wallpaper. Yeah, it's amazing. Sort of cherry blossom and kingfishers and birds yeah, all over yeah. i mean it's, it's quite mad
2: a fantastic thing 100 percent one-off never ever to be replicated yeah, yeah which makes it just a very personal product
3: but these are essentially a very practical bike yeah, very um, much so they work. i mean they once work. you've traveled with one of these compared to a normal
2: bike case of bag it's very difficult to ever go back and what we've what we can see from our own experiences and from our clients or customers or riders is that you start bringing along your bike when there's even just a a remote chance of a ride so if you're going on a business trip or on a holiday with a family or whatever and you go i might actually get a ride in in this lovely place that i haven't ridden before you you take your bike because it's just another suitcase whereas a huge your wife would divorce you immediately or you know you wouldn't get it into the car and so on so that's quite a nice added benefit that these also, you can travel on Eurostar, yeah. with a with Slips a full bike. A scanner,
4: because I mean, they they you know they are, pretty, they work. They, I mean, they, I can't tell any difference between that and my Colnago. Sometimes you know it's like, and we've taken them on every terrain possible. I mean, just we've just did Roubaix and all we the <laughs> all the all the Flanders <laughs> and the Koppenberg and all of those things and. Literally, we hadn't ridden our bikes on those on the, in that, in that terrain. We've ridden it off-road and put it through a lot of hell, but that was, you know, really punishing, and we didn't sort of hold back at all.
3: And there's no penalty in terms of weight or flexibility or anything like that? It adds about roughly 50 to 70 grams
2: on average if you're building it in the optimised version. Um, so, so, so weight is, is nitrogen. The stiffness is actually greater than on uh, on the tube itself so the the compression cobbler actually makes that section of the tube stiffer than the tube itself so so no it's 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 faff of course to build is not as as easy as building a normal frame and so on but in terms of performance there's there's little or no no difference no not
4: really i mean you know we can i think the lightest bike we've got to is about seven,
2: seven point seven one, or just below yeah. if you're fancy with the wheels
3: and how easy is it to dismantle i mean you've brought the uh, bikes along today to bespoke and the, uh, it has to be said unless you knew they would you wouldn't know that they were dismantleable
2: yeah that, i mean that's
3: definitely the appeal for us from from the beginning can we go and have a closer look absolutely <laughs> okay so max um let's have a look at yours as i uh, said well hang on a sec it's a it's It's a steel frame, isn't it? That's correct. Carbon yeah. forks. Yep. It's it's a Columbus
2: Spirit uh, HSS frame. So, uh, at the moment, um, there's been an awful lot of improvements and and, um, and 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 Jedi inspiration in the steel fabrication of bike tubing. That's for sure. It's really evolved a lot, and suddenly you're able to to build bikes out of steel tubes that can can now rival the other materials weight-wise, but also because of the many new dimensions and diameters of the the tubing we can really play around with how the bike feels and where it wants to be stiff it just wasn't available five six seven ten years ago when
3: when steel was a different thing so yeah and it it looks like a high-end you know custom steel bike and the only sort of indication that it's dismantleable really that i can see is that there's you know there's effectively two allen key uh bolts around the seat tube and then there's there's a kind of a clamp Uh, around the bottom bracket.
4: It's actually on the down tube. There's a a flanged connecting joint, which sort of marries together, and then you have a compression collar that goes around that, which is done up by one Allen key. Um, And then also, this bike of Max's, he's got conventional wired gearing, so there's cable splitters on on the gear cables underneath the down tube which are, you just undo them when you're dismantling. And other than that, we, we, with brake, we, we t- tend to take, undo the cable on the rear brake, and that frees up the, the rear half of the bike, because essentially you're splitting the two triangles in half. You've got the top tube, the down tube, and the head tube. That's one section of the bike. The rear section is the seat tube, and the rear stays, and the chain set. And that all stays as one.
3: So it goes down into something the size, a bit bigger than the wheels?
2: It's the, it's literally the size of the wheels as a square, so about 700 by 700 mil, and then it's about 240 mil thick, so just enough to, to layer and stack each of these parts into the bag, and then you can stick in all your kit and your shoes and wash bags and the rest of it as well. So it's a simple thing, but apart from that, it's, it's a standard, if you like, high-end racing bike so there's no difference from any other bicycle you know on this one we have lightweight wheels and Campagnolo record group set and tune parts and all that stuff so it it is it is it could have been a any of these other bikes here in in bespoke in terms of the um, componentry and and composition of the bike
3: So it's time to catch up with uh, Ruler Desire editor Stuart Clapp. Stuart, for you, the uh, Ruler Classic must be like Christmas Come Early, I imagine.
0: Oh, it is. It is like Christmas Come Early. Uh, I can't believe it's come round already, actually. I was sort of, I'm working on uh, the, the last issue of the year and I've been calling people in like I've been speaking to my contacts that, that, you know, we sort of get the bikes and kit from and it's like Ruler Classic's just around the corner thought, yeah, where did, where did that time go? So what are the
3: highlights this year, do you think?
0: Personally, I'm quite looking forward to seeing that new Cervelo S5. The one that looks like it's got a handlebar stem from a 90s mountain bike with a triangle thing on the front. But um, I imagine because it's Cervelo, there's a reason why they've done that. And I'm sure if you speak to one of the reps, they'll give you at least 20 minutes on, on why it's like that. Um, there's that. There's, there's, there's lots of other brands there. We've got Zip, Lightweight, asos are there. Sportful there Sportful is always a really strange one because you sort of wander around and you go Paolo patini's on their stand which is one of the highlights for me about uh ruler classic it's not one of these vast cycle shows where you know you wander around and and you know you can miss things it's it's like it's more hand-picked so everything that's in there is very very us you'll wander around and then uh, you wonder who the guy is behind you and uh Cancellar, he's looking at a pair of shorts it's um very intimate and uh but yeah kit, kit wise there's there's a lot actually because people are bringing in new ranges i know chapter three have just about to launch their new range this week they've got a stand at the show now which is i think they came in last minute
3: last year one of the surprise hits was um the the really shiny gold shoes um anything standing out like that this year yeah
0: they were a bit of a showstopper weren't they everyone picked them up and, and got and got their uh and, and got their, their their fingerprints over the uh the, the patent gold leather people like to bring out their uh shiny stuff quite literally in in terms of those dl killer shoes but cole will be there with the um their c64 gold that actually we featured not that long ago online and uh
3: yeah, that's, that's quite a cool-looking bike. One of the things that will be launched at the Classic is uh, Kenny Van Flamink's uh, new kit, uh, Top Bonk Patrick Pease. Um, uh, very much looking forward to that. Ruler's Ian Cleverly caught up with uh, Kenny, um, and he's apparently getting on the uh, folding bike bandwagon for his team as well. The
5: new team kit is going to be launched at the Ruler Classic in London in November, is that correct? Yeah, we have uh, the kiddies at the moment in the factories being designed and being uh, sewn together by uh, a group of children for low prices. Uh, It will be delivered on the 22nd of October and it will be at the Classic on the 1st of November. You have small children sewing them together, is that legal? Yeah, it's in Poland. In Poland there's no problems. Small children, 16 years of age, and they give them the skills with the stitching, also with the needlework to make the cycling aerodynamic clothing. Uh, also, with pockets uh, especially uh, built for uh, containing peas. So, it's a special aerodynamic clothing uh, for containing vegetables for the nutrition uh, while the cyclists are moving forwards. And have you, has the design been problematic with, with the peas? Because um, it's not easy to, to represent that in a jersey form. Now, I, I cannot uh, talk too much because it is a, a big specialist design situation that has happened. Uh, we brought in many, many designers, uh, one from London. And uh, I cannot see anymore, but it is a beautiful design. So Kenny, you can't tell us much about the jersey, fair enough, but uh, what about the bicycle
0: situation? Do you actually have any yet?
5: The uh, answer to that question is uh, one of two things. It is not yes, therefore it is no. We have had the big problems in the last uh, fi- fi- five seasons, in fact. There's never been a bicycle manufacturer that will sponsor the team for many problems, uh, sadly. Uh, two of my riders are falling in a kennel uh, from the running. Also, they have too much of the turnip wine, and they, uh, they are not coming back that night. And for many years, it's been a big problem, uh, a problematic legacy for the team. But so, as you know, as I've mentioned many times before, we are running regularly and now speaking to uh, two or three manufacturers of folding bicycles. Belgian folding bicycles? or, or, or from how much, can, how much can you tell us? This is fascinating. It is a European manufacturer, also an Asian manufacturer, and also a US manufacturer. Five manufacturers I'm talking to at the moment. None have replied to my emails yet, but it is a good stage. Hopefully, if I have one reply, we can start the negotiation. Because I feel that the folding bicycles... Very, very good uh, to reduce the the cost of uh, travel for the team, and also with the tiny wheels, with the right preparation, the tiny wheels in the punch, in the punch finale, in the finals, especially in uh, the lowlands, and the the very problematic suburban finishes of many races, they can offer a distinct advantage for the aerodynamics and also the smallest of the wheels. Tiny wheels on cobbles, I, I'm struggling to get my head around that. Yeah, in the Francis de France this year, I'm, I'm there giving advice to uh, the Quake Steps. I'm telling them that uh, they must have the small wheels on the Peavy, and Tom Bonin, he is there as well as my advisor, I'm paying on Tom Bonin uh, 25 euros a day for the advice. And he is, he's uh, insisting that the small wheels are the way to go on the baby because uh, the small wheels on the small cobbles the smaller
3: vibrations. Kenny Van Flamick there. Stuart, good to uh, talk to you. Uh, see you at the Ruler Classic. And that's it from this podcast. Uh, thanks for listening and hopefully see many of you at the Ruler Classic as well.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.